Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and vibes cat Richard X. Bennett and saxophonist Matt Parker on the 2023 CD Parker Plays X. These friends and collaborators heighten their creative relationship with their BYNK Records release. These two are collating a session for the first time as they, along with bassist Adam Armstrong and drummer Julian Edmonds, explore a dozen of Bennett's compositions that range from straight-ahead bebop to avant-garde freakouts to classic jump blues amongst other styles we get into quite a bit in this interview enjoy but gentlemen thank you so much for taking a minute out to be a tandem here to talk about your brand new album parker plays x i really appreciate it i know we've all respectively met up individually so it's it's good to be in a group collective here in our post-pandemic era of living yes sir (laughs) and with that being said how are you all doing? How does it feel to have an album out? How did you survive the pandemic? What what does it feel like now? Well, I mean, for me, it was uh, this album was a, a a big help getting through this pandemic. I mean, we, we Richard and I, Richard was the first musician I got to play with uh, while the pandemic, you know, had happened. Uh, once the first the first wave of vaccines came through. And we felt a little like, okay, let's open up our bubble. Um, Richard uh, said that he would love to play. So, I mean, it's it, it really kept me going. And uh, he uh, he's quite prolific with his writing and and kept set, coming with new songs. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then you know, it's it kind of I don't know how long time is anymore i mean it's just like how how are we how far out of this pandemic are we <laughs> i mean it, it's the whole thing gets all blurred for me but yeah. putting the record out it was it felt like we uh even if, even though i feel like it could have it was like that that weird um space where is this taking a really long time or did we do it really quickly um it yeah. felt like i was just like i'm not you know it felt like at days it felt like the project was you know took forever but then you know, it, it really happened quickly. What I remember from the pandemic, especially about Matt, is that we, we tried to play on Zoom a few times and we were totally fine if we played a ballad because he would just sound like he was getting like more and more bad Ben Webster because of that lag in the time. And then, um, but anytime we tried to play anything that had any tempo to it, we just couldn't. We couldn't sync up in time. And for me, after the original shock of the pandemic, I actually found it a pretty creative time because it reminded me of a lot like of when I was like 16 years old and all I did was practice and like go to a room and not really talk to anybody because as anybody who's ever met a piano player in their life knows we're kind of antisocial creatures and have had to spend much more time by ourselves than the other instruments. Like, for instance, drummers, they play for around 10 minutes and they join a band, but piano players spend a lot of time by themselves. So I just felt like I was back to the old days. So how did this idea of the album come together? How did you two hook up and kind of creatively construct this project? Go ahead with that, Ridge. Okay, Matt, I will answer that. Thank you. Um, Well, we met around six, seven years ago. And at the time I asked this drummer um, 
who I know who, who played a lot of sessions. I said, who is the craziest saxophone player, you know? And he didn't even hesitate. And he goes, Oh, you're going to like this guy. He's a little weird like you. So Matt came over and I remember he played like, I don't know. He played like four bars of some song and we both stopped like, Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> and so then Matt was playing in, in my band a little bit. And then of course it being New York, you know, there's pickup gigs where I'm playing in his groups and different things like that. But, um, at a certain point when he was still in uh, Greenpoint, I used to take the ferry up and I would, and I would practice with him. So we had practiced some songs and I knew that at the beginning of the pandemic, um, for some reason, I was more into jazz than I always am, than sometimes I am, because I also play world music and raga and actually sort of like electronica music, but I was into jazz and I was like, okay, well, then I have to do something with Matt. And I started hearing his sax in my head as I was working on different pieces and stuff like that. And it's very specific pieces that are done for Matt because they're, um, the melodies are more like roadmaps to where you go. And then he just fills it out. It's so it's not as quite as specific as some other things I might run right where you can just get any loser to play. But for these ones, <laughs> we needed Matt and Matt was, and I knew that everybody, I knew he was going to be available because of the pandemic. And I knew also that people's emotions were raw because of the, pandemic and that something could be captured during that time creatively that maybe you're not going to be able to capture like this year. Yeah. Cause yeah. It, was, it was a certain lack of distraction. I guess that that's the best way of putting it because our regular lives are very distracting, but the pandemic time for better or worse, it kind of moved us to essentials. We didn't talk to as many people. We didn't see as many people. My poor wife only was able to talk to me for like three months, you know, so, so all those things contributed to, um, to, uh, this record. And I was just along for the ride. I mean, you know, you, you have somebody pitch you an idea of like, oh, I've got these songs that I think would be perfect for you. And, um, uh, and they're just a blast to play. Um, and, you know, as, as, uh, as humble as, as, as Richard is coming off by saying roadmaps. I mean, this guy really knows how to write some beautiful melodies. And, um, so anytime I, um, anytime I get to sink my teeth into some really nice melodies, it just makes, it makes it really easy to just want to play over it. So, um, that was just, uh, it, it felt like, uh, an, you know, an absolutely yes kind of, uh, concept for me. So it was great. So when I saw your names on paper and I've interviewed each of you respectively, I was like, this is perfect. It's like the cosmos just shined a beam down on you two and threw you together. It just yeah. makes sense. And the music makes sense. It's like, it's such a, it, it just seemed like the perfect cauldron. So now that it's physically out and it's happening, I mean, how does it feel cerebrally to have this out and to have had this meeting of the minds on this project? Well, I'm really glad that it's out. I'm glad that, um, you know, one of the greatest things about making a record is, is putting your collective thought and powers into 
um, uh, some music and you, you give it worth by bringing other people onto it and, um, you know, putting out a record. It's, it's more than just the musicians. So getting to work with all of those, um, different, um, uh, artistic minded people that want to see an album come together. And, um, you know, it, it, we, we've been on the radio, which has been a lot of fun for me, uh, seeing like, you know, where it's, you know, all these different, uh, cities all over the country that are, are listening to it. So that's encouraging. Um, and then at the same time, it's also just like, it's such a, uh, a whole once it's once you put it out you put all this thought and energy and you're you're learning this music and and then you put it out and it's just kind of like it's almost like a vacuum feeling it's like oh now what am i gonna do you know um and it's on to the next thing in in a lot of ways um uh but it's um you know that's why live performance is so key you know to try and find ways to continue to play the music and, and bring it to um, bring it to, to, to the to, to audiences across the country, which is you know the, always the goal. I wouldn't say we're at the point yet that when we play live, I think to myself, "Oh, we should have recorded it now. We sound so much better live than we did then." But that's why where you really want to get with the music that because as we know from all musicians. After a while, they're like, Oh, I wish I could redo this. I'm because generally when you record stuff, it's more or less on, uh, at least in my case, it's, it's more at the beginning of when I know the music. I mean, I practiced it a lot at home and different things. When I finish this answer, I'm going to leave for a second and close the window because I live on a very busy street and things seem to be coming through there. But so of course, we we have a you know we have we have a a vision and and we love to share it with people uh i was talking to matt last last night and i was saying oh well uh do you play bass clarinet and he goes i do i say because i have these ideas about bass clarinet and then i'm looking at him today and i see right behind him he's got a bass clarinet set up behind him he's got his alto flute because he's telling me about his flute he likes to tell me about like the regular clarinet just because he knows I hate the clarinet. But so we're, we're enjoying this release, but we're also talking about like, what are we going to do next? It's a little like hamsters on the wheel that, um, you know, that never stop too, for too long. So I like to treat interviews like an improv set. So I don't, I don't have any problem with the ambient noise. So if you want to keep the window open, oh, I actually. Okay. I love getting the texture of where you're at, so you can keep it open. It's cool. Well, where I live is right on the um, Brooklyn waterfront, and there was never any traffic on the street until they invented GPS <laughs> because it was like an unknown street, and it gets you everywhere, but nobody knew how to use it. Yeah. And now, of course, the computer tells everybody to go down it, so it's a, it's a traffic jam around 19 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Where do you live? I'm in Kansas City. Ah. Yeah. So it, it's relatively sedate until you get into like Midtown or the, the inner pals. But yeah, it's nothing like, you know, nothing like a big city at all. Yes. But as, as far as I understand, it is the birthplace of real jazz. Yes, sir. Yeah. Charlie Parker. Yep. 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 Yeah. 
18 yeah. at Vine, I still get down there and just kind of sometimes I'll just close my eyes and just imagine all the ghosts floating through from, mm-hmm. you know, Miles to Charlie and all the guys. And we have a guy here locally named Chuck Haddock and his memory is like a steel trap. And every once in a while I run into him and we're down there and he'll just tell me about how Bird was walking down the street and he had a chicken leg in his hand and he ran into somebody and he was by this club and this club is just amazing to just, mm-hmm. it's like Norman Rockwell's painting this tapestry of what used to be and it's so cool it's romantic right so um so let me ask you this what are you hoping the listener gets from this project okay i'll i'll answer that i would say it's the same on everything i release i'm hoping that they uh i hope that they get some joy from it i hope they get some transcendence and I hope that if if in terms of it being a groovy record, which this one is, I hope they dance to it. Yeah. Um, other ones, the the Raga ones, it was more like I hope they meditate to it. Um, I have no problem with it being background music as well. I, I often, I I feel like for me, um. I guess because the way people digest music has changed over the years, I I don't want things to be as raw as we would be live. So I want the essence of what we do without quite without it being quite as over top, the top as it is live because the versions we do live are are more raucous. But I want it to be raucous enough that it's a party music, but not so raucous that people are like, oh, I got to turn this off because, uh, you know, somebody hates it in the room. So it's it's like trying to get a balance at all times. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree with everything Richard just said. I mean, that was kind of the 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 shared um, uh, goal for this project was to try and find like a really happy place for um ex uh um emotional uh expressionism through uh, you know uh um kind of these bursts of improvisation uh, um but not you know n- not not really scare anybody away uh you know it's like just give them just a little bit we'll just give them just a little bit and then everything's okay we're fine everybody's you know it's right back into the groove so you know, my mom, she's not like, she's not, ow, this hurts my ears. You know, she, <laughs> I, you know, any record I put out, you know, I always, you know, check, see how my mom likes it. And, you know, you know, she's her, her, her most famous quote is, can it just, just something hummable? Can you just give me something hummable that I can just put in the car and it just relaxes me? Um, so this, this passed that test, which, which, uh, which was great. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the songs on the record, we, you know, to what Richard was talking about, um, as far as the live performance, um, really does take on a completely different, uh, experience. You know, we tried to keep everything very concise, um, you know, almost, uh, using the Kansas City movement of, you know, when all of that great music coming out of Kansas City, you weren't listening to anything over three minutes. I mean, sometimes, sometimes there'd be a ballad. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's like a really deep bassy cut, you know, where it's just like they were putting something out at 304, you know, 
So we, we were trying to grab that engine, uh, and, and, um, that was our kind of homage to the past, um, in a, in a kind of conversation we had about how long should these songs be? Um, so yeah, we, we, when we do these live there, uh, I don't think any of them <laughs> match our, match our studio recording time uh, length on, on any of these. We really cut loose. I mean, one of the things is that when you play live, no matter what you play, people just hear it once. So no matter how wild it is, it's just part of an experience that will will go. But when you hear things over and over, it's a little different. So I would say, adding on to that, I feel like Matt, is, he's like the gateway drug to Albert Eiler or something like that, you know. So first you listen to Matt, and then you're like, wow, I just I want more, more. I just want to hear shrieking sax the rest of my life. And then then you can listen to Matt and other people as well. But he, um, I used to play with a couple. I always wanted somebody who contrasted to what I do. And that's the biggest thing to me. It's like I don't um, – and to me, Matt's playing is not is nothing like my playing in a lot of ways. So that's what I like is is the contrast. And one of the things about the lengths of the songs is that I don't know if you guys had this experience, but at the beginning of the pandemic, it, for me, it was like I was very like nostalgic for old music, which is not like me at all. Normally, I listen to pretty pretty much things that are released this year, but I was listening to like this old monk and stuff like that and stuff I hadn't listened to forever. And I was like, wow, I really like these songs where they were three minutes a lot better than the 10-minute ones with the bass solo and the drum break and the third saxophone player takes a solo and stuff like that. And I was like, wow. It's all getting in in two and a half minutes and, and, and we can do the same thing. And it's part of the, it's one part of the jazz tradition that I think has been really good in the last 10 years is that people have moved towards that, towards that short form. So people I enjoy, a lot of people I listen, enjoy listening to now are kind of like playing short songs and, and, um, I mean, part of it, of course, has to do with Spotify and everything else and people's short attention spans. But I think it makes for good music as well. So my my 1980s brain kind of blew up when you were talking about your mom. I was thinking mom tested, uh, uh, musician approved. What was the commercial? There was a cereal, I think. They used to say mom tested, kid approved. Wasn't there something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 So I, remember, I was just I can't remember the actual brand, but I definitely remember that. Yeah. I think it was the most sugary cereal on the market at the time. <laughs> so, you know, the one thing that you keep honing in on, which I think is the key about coming out of COVID night, and I speak personally and probably just for a lot of people, getting back out to see live music is just amazing to see. And you realize the kind of experience. And Richard, you put it so well that it's like it happens once and that's the experience. So my question to you is, what are your plans as we move forward right now with you guys getting together and performing this live? What kind of itinerary are we talking about? It's been, it's been really actually, you know, completely honestly, it's, it's been, it's uh, like uh, what's stuck in the mud um, uh, as far as getting this, uh, getting live opportunities. Um, and 
unfortunately, for the record, you know, I feel like it, you know, falls a lot on on me as you know. We put this out on Bank Records, uh, which is uh, a label that uh, my wife and I uh, started ten years ago, and um, you know, it's when you're when you're starting when you start having these bigger visions, you know, you have to bring people in, um, to, to help. And, um, I feel like I've kind of fallen short on, on, on being able to, to make, uh, solid, uh, connections with people, um, that can help book, um, our managers that, that actually have relationships with live venues, um, across the country. And so it stayed very localized and, um, and because of that, there's, you don't get that, that same kind of run that you would, uh, hope to be able to get where you're playing it for multiple audiences, um, night after night. Uh, I'm definitely not, um, opposed to continue to keep trying for this record. I mean, this is one of the great things about this record is, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not tired of it. I don't think Richard's tired of it either. And, you know, it's like we are really um, looking forward to just like having this and 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 using it to to look and just, you know, looking forward for for that next opportunity for somebody to say that they're ready to hear some music. And we have we have a, a huge book of music that uh, is 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 for sure going to put on a really great show. Well, I would put a more positive spin on it. <laughs> what that i'm not just really bad at doing this no i mean because there were there were there were there were a lot there were a lot of things that that happened happened some good bad like for instance matt's been been touring a lot with michelle dorance uh, the tap dancer and that's been a big time show you know she's a macarthur genius winner and all this stuff and and the bad was i almost died this winter so i was really recovering at a point at the point that the record was released so i was like it was enough for me to like get up and kind of go through my day i wasn't i couldn't even really imagine touring and i only would say that i got to the point where i can imagine doing it like around a month ago um and my other positive spin is as always is that in my experience every release i've ever done didn't start to pay off for at least a year and a half. And that was very much how it worked with all the Raga records I worked. It's like they came out, it didn't seem like anything was happening. And the next thing I knew I was giving concerts, but I was, I was all of a sudden like, Oh, how's this piece go? I better listen to that one again because it was, it had been recorded like a year before, then it had come out. And so it was a while since I had played the music. Um, while the music is modern. I certainly hope it's not too trendy, like in terms of anything. So it should sound fresh two years from now or five years from now or, or whatever without, of course, all music will end up sounding in some way like it comes from its time. We know this. You listen to a nineties jazz record and then you put it on and there's just something about the sound and you're like, okay, this was done in 1993. It doesn't sound quite like you expect it because it doesn't sound like how people record now or even how they recorded in like the sixties, right? Um, 
So, so it's still, it's going to be of its time, but I, I feel like we have, we have places to go and time with it. And I'm feeling much better and like ready to leave my room again, which is a fine thing. So, so generally speaking, once you can imagine things happening, then they start to happen. So where is the best place for people to pick up Parker Plays X? And if you do do live gigs or each of you respectively, your worlds of music, where can people out there that are listening go? Absolutely. Well, they can go to um, binkrecords.com. Um, they can find uh, both Richard and I on uh, bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find all of our music on uh, all the, the streaming sites such as you know Spotify and um, iTunes, uh, uh, Apple Music, YouTube Music. Um, the, the, the first few, uh, richardxbennett.com. Uh, if you visit any of our name sites, um, you'll have that opportunity to, to purchase the music, which of course we, uh, greatly appreciate. But yeah, all the streaming sites will have it as well. And, um, you can listen to it in so many different ways nowadays. So it's, it's exciting and, and, and very accessible. And what is your uh, website, Matt Parker? Oh, Matt Parker music.com. Oh. Cool. Uh, we've got a lot of dot coms. You, you, yes. you know that, you know that Matt has to be a real great musician because he has a very generic name yet <laughs> he owns his music site. At a certain point, I had to add a certain initial to my name to be heard in this world. (laughs) That's excellent. Gentlemen, hey, thank you so much for opening up about this project. It's great to catch up with you. And I guess the one byproduct of this COVID thing is is that it's really actually nice to see all of you in living color. So thank you. Oh, thanks so much. It was our pleasure. All right, cool. Gentlemen, take care. Have a great day. Good work. Yes, sir. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Miami, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to both Richard and Matt for their time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, you can find Neon Jazz interviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.